One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, what the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Wrestling Questions You Most Want Answered. I'm Michael Sidgwick, joined today by Andy H. Murray to discuss everything that you want answers to. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We preview and review Raw, SmackDown, AEW, Dynamite, Rampage, NXT, Point. Premium live events, pay-per-views, we have wrestling interviews, we hold roundtable discussions and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. But yes, as we always say, we love the engagement, we love the loyalty, we love getting asked questions, we just don't necessarily have time to do it in our personal downtime. Hence why every now and then is a treat on an ad hoc basis, myself and Murray or indeed Wilborn or whoever decides, you know what, we will dedicate time to engaging with the listeners. So, without further ado, what does the H stand for? Or we're doing that at the end. We do that at the end, brother. It's a little treat. It's a little reward for people who've stayed the course. Okay. I like to think that the journey is as rewarding as the destination, however. Okay. Mm. Subject of treats. Oh, boy. <laughs> There's a loyal guy. Mega fan. He loves us all. And he's the super nice guy. <laughs> he loves guy. us all. <laughs> um, but I've noticed... Most of the time when we do this, he flies in with his questions a little bit too late, but we finally ah. captured one. This is from the one and only Fraser Cranium. Oh, legend. And he says, hey guys, big love to you both. With the hopeful launch of an AEW streaming service incorporating ROH's video library, what feuds and stories would you consider essential viewing? <laughs> also, what's that is my son's favorite question at the moment, so please help me. What's that? That is... You see the picture? What's that? <laughs> that is a, a pig uh, driving a piece of farming equipment designed to funnel grains um, from the fleer into uh, another machine. Yep. So the pig's driving it is the core element here, which is fundamentally hilarious. Indeed. Imagine a pig doing a farm. CM Punk's ROH run. As was harkened back to very brilliantly, I might add, on AEW television this year. All of it's fairly essential. I mm. think he's credited with being the very first guy in the nascent super indie circuit that was patterned after um, Piro, at least insofar as ROH went, uh, which is inspired by the ECWA um, Super A tournament. General gist is long well-worked, competitive matches, stripped of North American TV trappings because they weren't on North American television. But CM Punk was the first guy who used his creative license and indeed his creative genius to really tell stories. I love doing it in the Pritchard voice because they don't actually tell <laughs> stories because they're useless at it. Um, but I hate his patronizing voice, yeah. so I'll take any opportunity. And you know what the good thing about it was? It told a story. And he's talking about some, like, 1998 yeah. terrible undercard attitude era match between the big boss man and Midian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know what was so great about it? It told a story. No, it didn't. Midian can't even bump. He, he legitimately hey, you does leave, not know how to bump on his back. You leave Dennis Knight alone, man. Apparently, he's an absolutely tremendous chef. Yeah. So basically, Frazier, my two very quick takes on this are CM Punk's entire run, particularly the end. Um, even if you've kind of known through consuming content and the, uh, the references in AEW television, uh, the summer of Punk really is worth revisiting sort of on yeah, the whole. Yeah. I'd really be interested, um, just as an incidental point, on like career retrospectives and like the old bio DVDs, like the CM Punk Best in the World one, um, mm. the Bret Hart one was tremendous. Uh, Mick Foley's were always great. Uh, Break the Walls Down yeah. and the Four Horsemen one. The deeper you go, 
beyond WWE's bubble, the less factual it tends to get. But like the rise and fall of ECW was great. Like it's lovely to see archive footage of Dusty being so over in Florida in the 70s because it's the stuff you only see as a mythology. CWF, baby. But then they talk about the polka dots and then they take creative license with the story and they barely mention that he invented war games and they just kind of genuine career appraisal and a little bit of hatchet job because they can't help themselves. If AEW can do this with ROH, which would probably do better than answering my my answer, it could be like great as a gateway into the promotion, but basically anything CM Punk did and... The only, one of only two invasions that's actually worked. Yes. ROH Combat Zone Wrestling Invasion made an absolute mockery of the WWF WCW invasion. If there are any listeners, and I suspect every single one of you um, has felt this pang, provided you're of uh, of a certain age. Every single one of you who was... Watching wrestling around the side, um, around the time rather, of 2001, looked at the WWE, ECW, WCW feud and just thought, what a complete and utter waste. Yes, there were certain factors that informed that it couldn't be as good as it was, but they didn't try. Yeah, they just wanted yeah. to get the big cocks out and prove that they, they had the biggest cocks. The ROH CCW thing was not only this pretty... Every pro wrestling story, to a degree, even the great ones, kind of peter out because it's episodic. It's like new seasons don't really start. Like Austin McMahon didn't really yeah. air that. It just, it was great, but these peter out. It was a beautiful self-contained story that had a beginning, a middle, and end. The actual premise for the story was great insofar as Ring of Honor and CCW shared um, a hotbed of Philly and um, an arena at certain points, which sparked all of this and ROH and Combat Zone Wrestling. And this is absolutely key because I think we had certain um, conversations or like discourses when Impact Wrestling first became a thing on AEW TV of an interpromotional rivalry. These things don't just naturally go together because interpromotional rivalries are automatically cool. Each promotion has to have like any two sets of characters, a value system, a, a way that they like have tension or conflict with the other character. And in, in the case of ROH and CCW, it was amazing because ROH was the uh, sanctimonious work rate promotion with the code of honor. And they expressly forbade that which combat zone wrestling embodied. They were natural um, Pure. enemies. Like, yeah. so it was absolutely fantastic. And, uh, but at the same time, because they didn't just want to pretend that all the rosters were unified as a result of the philosophy that both promotions embodied, you had twists and turns and you had swerves of which wrestlers were feigning to play along with each other, but really they had their individual yeah. ambitions. I won't spoil anything. You had on the other side of that, you had wrestlers who you didn't think would get along, but actually did for the good of the promotion and the fight. Um, oh, it's just absolutely wonderful stuff. Yeah. I think if you're ready to accept that Homicide is one of the most awesome wrestlers of all time, watch the whole CZW Ring of Honor program because, oh my goodness, this is a different atmosphere when Beanie Siegel hits and that man comes kill everyone who's on his turf. It's great. Um, the CCW Ring of Honor feud is essential viewing. Um, you know, when you have questions like this, I inevitably just go to the golden era of Ring of Honor, which to me is up until about 2008, 2009. Uh, and you know, there's some real no-brainer stuff that, like, beyond just exploring the whole CM Punk run, I think the Raven feud is seminal. Uh it's ugly, it's messy, it's real, it's a proper, you know, just as Ring of Honor is kind of starting to really break out as this this must-watch thing, the Joe stuff, obviously. Um, but Danielson, McGuinness is it's all-time must-watch stuff as well. Uh, you've probably, even if you've not watched the matches or whatever, you've probably seen spots like Nigel's forehead just borrowing into the ring post uh, in Liverpool or Manchester, wherever it was they had that match. But their whole series kind of transcending the pure division, going all the way up to the top. Nigel's an interesting guy to explore in Ring of Honor because, like, character-wise, there are times when he comes off a bit corny. I'm not going to lie. Uh, the in-it-to-win-it stuff. In-it-to-win-it. Stands out for the wrong reasons, but in the ring, absolutely tremendous, brutal performer. Um, my personal favourite is the... A later feud in Danielson's run uh, versus opposite Takeshi Morishima, who, I mean, really, w- watch Morishima's whole run in Ring of Honor because it's not the longest, um, but it, it's it's incredible from the first moment. Like his introductory squash match, which I won't ruin because if I tell you how it goes down straight away, you're going to know all about it. 
the, it's just the best thing I've ever seen in pro wrestling. It, it's so incredible, particularly as the person he's squashing is literally a, I don't know, like a, a quarter of his size. It's just perfect stuff. And the, the Brian feud with him, big bully boy stuff, uh, multiple matches, the Manhattan Mayhem. Manhattan Mayhem, that was the name of the, the show. Yes. yes, I got it. Uh, is my personal favorite, but there's great stuff across the board. Another one, um, the the... I guess it, it kind of helps to watch like a bunch of Steen Edicos stuff, Kevin Steen, Elgin Edicos, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, uh, when they were together to really get the full appreciation of it. But the the Generico Steen feud is incredible. One of their best matches did take place in PWG, so that's a thing. Um, but one really great thing about Tony Khan acquiring the Ring of Honor library is I'm not sure what Ring of Honor's DVD business is like these days. Probably not all that hot because who buys DVDs these days unless you're a PWG supporter. Um, but they used to be so great at, at compilation DVDs of here's a feud from start to finish or here's how they had, they had a run of like two or three separate ones focused on Steen and Generico where it was like, they're coming together. Here's Kevin Steen coming in the company. Here's the tag team. And here's another one on their feud. And I think it was called like hatred rising or something like that. They used to be so good at stuff like that. So, I mean, and it, compi it would compile like angles and promos and stuff as well. So really, I mean, all Tony Khan has to do is rip those. Yeah. <laughs> and it'll give you some great starting points, but yeah, like the ring of honor library is vast. I think, <clears throat> It's not fundamental to understanding modern wrestling, but it'll certainly give you a new appreciation, uh, younger viewers, of of these great wrestlers of today, uh, where they came from, and some of the seminal works they've been putting out. How about the original uh, US Forbidden Door match in, uh, in uh, Joe and Kabashi as well? Yeah, absolutely. Why not? Just one of the loudest... Chop, like chop, the chop, fact chop. that you can still hear the chops over one of the most deafeningly loud atmospheres ever just speaks to how physical that match was. It was incredible. Um, Jacob Mendros asked a question about the Blackpool Combat Club, and we've received several. They are really quite over. We they're popping quarter hours, yeah. like, and they really are doing well. So Jacob asks, "Good morning, handsome boys." That's how you get. <laughs> that's how you get your goddamn question approved. I prefer ruggedly beautiful rather than handsome, but I'll take it. Thank you. I'll take anything. Starts with H. I'll take absolutely anything. Yeah. Will there be another member of the Blackpool Combat Club? I have preferred them taking their time and individually building relationships between stable mates, but how long should they wait and who should they add? Personally, don't see a need to rush, Jacob. I absolutely yeah. one million percent echo your point. They are building something incredibly special here. And the, the the patience with which they're doing it. Yes, on the Dynamite review, we were possibly a little bit low on the idea of them just doing another trios match. Much of the same. Still great to see three great wrestlers and whatever. But, you know, but then this will inevitably become so great in the next two, three, four, six months that you'll look back on weeks like this and think, this is good. It maintains the idea without blowing anyone away or doing anything brand new. It maintains the idea that doing a match like this and getting inducted into the Blackpool Combat Club will get you on television. It will get you closer to ROH titles. It will allow you to participate in the New Japan Pro uh, Wrestling Super, Best of Super Juniors tournament. The longer they take to even entertain the idea of recruiting anyone, it will seem like the most prestigious invitation imaginable. If this continues at its rate of improvement if Wheeler Utah continues to get as over as he does, and then this happens for three months, the very idea of John Moxley, William Regal, and or Brian Danielson throwing a tiny glimpse in the direction of, for example, Lee Moriarty will be like, Jesus Christ, he must have impressed, or he's going to be a star just like Utah is. Yeah. It will create such this huge impression on fans just through their mere indirect or subtle endorsement of another wrestler. If they start this anew with Moriarty next week, I wouldn't necessarily complain, but the exclusivity of the club feels like they've really got something special. Yeah. The best platform imaginable in wrestling right now to make someone a star. And if you think about how many people just join stables in AEW, it's the, probably the best approach to storytelling in the episodic realm in terms of preserving things for pay-per-view and all the rest of it. But if you think of how casual and just how it happens subverting that to make it so exclusive that you are indirectly over by being entertained of joining they've got something special here yeah definitely and i i echo all those points i don't think there's 
an express need to add people, but it can be a very valuable tool later on. I think if they are going to add someone, it, it, it should be somebody who's yet to find their charisma, I think, on the roster. So Utah definitely fit that bill. Uh, it was enjoyable enough as part of Best Friends, but we know what Best Friends is. It's, it's a mid-card act and, you know, Orange Cassidy is obviously extremely popular. I think Chuck is one of the greatest comedy wrestlers of all time. Uh, and a great plunder brawler as well. That doesn't get said enough about Chuck Taylor. And I have a lot of appreciation for Trent as well. And Sue is obviously a legend. But that, that ad came off a ceiling. And at the same time, while he was part of it, the affiliation was he trained under these guys. Uh, he didn't necessarily have a voice of his own. He didn't really have much of a personality coming across because he wasn't that wasn't his focus. Um, but the Blackpool Combat Club has helped him find his charisma. Uh, as a young shooter. <laughs> so it, it's good stuff. And there are a bunch of people who would fit into that category. Moriarty, I think, is quite a good one because the complaint for years about him, even on the indies, has been, uh, he's not quite intense enough to, to make the leap. And oh, my goodness, who you, else are you going to pair him with? Moxley, uh, Regal, and, and Danielson. Um, I, I think if you want to do something different, and you'd obviously need to do the induction differently to... to um, the way Utah's come in, because you can't produce a vignette of William Regal fish-hooking these people in the gym. Um, but I think one of Chris Statlander or Layla Hirsch would be a good addition. Um, because bo both of them, I think, are at an interesting stage. Hirsch, uh, she's shown more personality recently, um, like a, a more aggressive character through the issues she had with Statlander and the associated parties involved in that. Um, but, you know, still very much a very early work in progress. Uh, someone who I think would benefit from like a like a little tour of Japan, um, maybe go away for a couple of months, maybe work Stardom or Tokyo Joshi Pro or something, hone her craft a bit more. Um, but, you know, she's got that shooter vibe already, uh, maybe just needs someone else to go over the edge. Statlander's interesting to me in that I think she's already one of the best wrestlers in her division. I think she's fantastic. Um, but she's just transitioned away from the alien gimmick. She's been doing more serious stuff on the YouTube show. She's got black attire now. She's just running into people and dropping them on their heads. Her approach, I think, fits really well. And this would be a really good way for her to bridge to this new character and find her voice and uh, do something new. Because uh, do we need another lad in this group? Not necessarily. Yeah, let's mix it up. Absolutely. Um, Michael asks, and I'm pretty sure we're going to answer variations of this question um, up until Double or Nothing. Um, should CM Punk win the title, or should they take the opportunity to really cement Hanger as that guy and give him wins over Kenny, Danielson, and Punk? I oscillate between opinions on this every day. There is a great argument for either result. Either result at this point seems absolutely viable. This is because they've built these characters individually before they even said a word literally to each other in the same physical space. It's done such a tremendous job and totally different ways of both of these characters that it is the most unpredictable AEW main event and indeed match ever to this point. If you ask me this again next week, I will not apologize for changing my mind. That's the joy <laughs> of a wrestling storyline yep. such as this. So I will waver. I think we, we even might have answered a question like this on the last one and my answer will be different, but you know, it's all very fluid. It's all very exciting. At the minute, I'm kind of thinking that you might get indirect blowback if Paige goes over when that many people wanted to see Punk. It feels like a cruel booker move if you don't strap CM Punk up, who realistically is the most unanimously over performer in the company. If you've gone to all of these lengths to get Paige over to this level, you've invested three years in him to lose to someone who realistically, quote-unquote, doesn't need the title. Maybe the title does need the best, most over wrestler. Yeah. Even though CM Punk realistically could go out and say, I want to do a grudge program with him. I'm very good at storytelling. I will give you four months worth of material. I'll give you the destination now. I could do this. You want the top star with the belt. That's how these things should work because you ne you then, I'm not saying Hamman Page is anywhere near this level, but they you then reach uh, a level where like, oh, Jurassic Express or Sammy Guevara or whoever recently Lucha Brothers with the tag titles as well. They don't feel like the champions, and the no. championships, therefore, don't really feel as much like championships. There's so many directions. I'm just going to have to waffle on until I make my mind up. Um, at the minute, I'm leaning towards strap Punk up because Hangman Page can win it back off him or win it again. 
But if you... CM Punk at the minute is a massive scalp. Beating him will mean everything. If he can be the former AEW world champion and elongate this already pretty legendary AEW run and then use the cachet built within that over the next two, three years of his full-time career, it will always mean that little bit more when you beat him, which what you, in two or three years' time, you're going to have to start doing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I get boring. I get boring when it comes to questions like this, and I like to sit there and go, okay, this guy's been champion for X months. What, what are the ratings doing? What are the quarters doing? When That was from Michael, sorry if I didn't say. Shouts. Mikey T, 1991. There we go. Shout-outs to Michael. Um, what are the numbers doing? Is this guy registering uh, beyond crowd reactions in the arena? And unfortunately, I don't have my, I don't have, I don't know. I don't know because I haven't looked at them uh, for, for Pages Champion, which I really should. Um, but it, that is good in a way because it means I have to concoct a more interesting answer than just going, well, it isn't working, brother. Look at the numbers. Um, so yes, for me at the moment, I am the same. I've flip-flopped on this a fair bit. But at the moment, I'm kind of leaning towards Punk as well. Um, I think that Page is very young in his main event level career. Um, this is his first reign. I don't think there are going to be many people who hold the AEW world title more than once. I don't think Moxley's getting it again. I don't think Jericho's getting it again. And I don't think Kenny's getting it again. Um, Kenny may be a bit likelier than the other two, but if you really want to cement Page as a guy later down the line, um, I don't know if you need to use Punk in this feud to do it. I think that for him, losing the belt, going on another journey of discovery, brother, uh, would be an even more rewarding thing to elevate him up the card and becoming maybe the first two-time AEW world champion altogether. I think that's just a wonderful thing to put on his resume. Um, and they, yeah, they, I mean, they're going to start putting using Punk to put people over eventually. Um, but the real reason is that I want my demented fantasy booking scenario of Eddie Kingston getting revenge on CM Punk, winning the big one and losing it two weeks later via heel skullduggery to MJF to come to light. And if that doesn't come to light, I am I'm probably just going to compose a tweet about being mildly disappointed because I trust the company. But I trust the company yes. too. That's the thing, like even if Paige loses, I'll kind of be heartbroken because I probably should get away from this given the way the company's evolved, but I do still love the romantic notion of everything I said about WWE for so many years manifesting itself in the form of a new alternative company that can create its own stars by allowing them creative um, expression. And they gave Hangman Page like a novel-sized book to pen this intricate saga. And I, it's not like CM Punk's like Brock Lesnar coming in in 2012. You know, yeah. it's so different. It's a missed opportunity being realized. But I still love the romantic idea of the non-WWE guy, even though there are more ex-WWE guys on the roster now than there were AEW originals when it was sure. shorter. You know what I mean? I should probably get away from it. But and just tell the best story for the best occasion. But it's such a complex debate. That match is going to be so fraught with drama. It's going to be unreal. Um, here's one from Jack. I think I just appreciate the bluntness. Um, I'm not going to answer the whole question, but he says, as the current TNT title picture is tall, wank, pick, <laughs> pick the next five TNT champions go. I would. Oh. I don't want to pick the lineage because that would take forever and you have to fantasy book a big tapestry. Uh, but I will say that and again, this changes all the time. Uh, who would I ultimately want to see do what the TNT title should be more of? What my favorite period of it was a television championship that was defended regularly in order to make the world championship feel like a more special attraction, um, but a very worthy counterpart to it. The Darby Allen Cody runs. We haven't got that magic um, in quite some time. Wrestler, I'd most like to see wrestle every single week. If not Brian Danielson, because he's gone on a different path. Pack, but he's not there every week. <laughs> uh, let's give it to Danielson. Yeah. Give it to Danielson and Mox and Utah can be the tag champions. Pack's air miles uh, voucher could be the TNT champion. Probably see it a little bit more. Yeah. Go back and forth. Uh, Miro, I still want Miro to kill uh, Scorpio Sky and just take the belt. I think that'd be fun. Um Depends what they're going to do with Sky's alignment. If he is going to go more babyface, not so much. But if he's going to go full-on Men of the Year heel again after this Kazarian program, which he might, or maybe he'll split from those guys, I don't know. And then Miro coming in and wiping the smile off his face would be awesome. Um, people I'd like to see kind of hold it 
Hobbs. Uh, Hobbs, definitely, yes. Like a similar vein to Miro, just a big dominant guy running the ring. But he's grown so much like since he came into AEW as a wrestler. Uh, he just looks so confident on screen at the moment. I remember watching the... Jeez, um, oh, I've just framed that like it was this forlorn tale from the time of yore. But uh, the, the Punk match in uh, Arthur Ashe last year, just watch, I thought it was a good match on the whole, but there were certainly times where I was like, oh, Hobbs looks a little bit overawed here. Yeah. Like this is the biggest thing of his career. And, you know, there were a couple of moments where I thought, okay, this could be a bit more cohesive. Um, I don't have any worries of that nature about him now. I think he's tremendous. I think he'd do a good job. Um, eventually I would love to see a Dante Martin as well come up and take it. Someone who's on the undercard now, but can put on good matches every single week. But yeah, there's a few ideas for you. There's loads and none of them really involve Sammy Guevara ever again. Yeah, sorry, um, Sammy. Johnny Rest Sling. Yeah, oh. Bit of a pun there. Hurt his arm, has he? Got it in a sling? Is asking, and again, I know we said on the Dynamite review that we'd probably save this for the preview, but, you know, people are asking, so I think uh, we're interested in the answer. Losers Wilborn and Hamlet aren't here at the moment. Screw them. I Indeed. Say. Yeah. Yeah, they're total losers, aren't they? <laughs> a couple of goobers. Total, like, yeah. Both of them, just nerds. I like them as work colleagues. Oh, um, <laughs> I'm only joking. We're only joking. Man. Who do you think the Joker, baby? <laughs> you done it the again? house of Joker now. Who do you think that Joker, baby? The is? house of Joker, baby. Um, it's interesting. This the Joker is going to be a new arrival. Yeah, you can't just bury a new arrival unless they are a Utah Garcia Moriarty. Keep an eye on them for the future type, um, which isn't the. The owner's not the vehicle to introduce um, and act like that. So the person they're bringing in has to be, has to at least make the semi. Like, yep. at least. And if you if he wins the quarter, which is inevitable, probably via Jay Lethal interference, then if he loses the semi, you risk 50-50 booking someone that you want your fan base to um, receive as a game changer who could potentially win the world title. So maybe this guy, whoever it is, goes to the actual final um, there's only one man. There's only one man for the job now. <sighs> the fiend. The fiend. Yeah. Look, um, it could be Johnny Gargano. Mm-hmm. He's got a history with Adam Cole, Dax Harwood, Kyle O'Reilly. Like it just feels like that bracket. When you look at it through the lens of it could be Johnny Gargano, mm. there's a lot of history to play with. Like on the semi side of his own bracket if it is Gargano and on the other side because everyone remembers the revival and uh, Adam Cole rivalries so it could be Johnny Gargano in fact I think it's going to be him I think he's been smart enough to wait because it was an absolute deluge I felt like a weekly debut and it's not that far away from being like that again but I think he's got the itch and I feel like he's the last Maybe he's going to come to terms with the idea that there's going to be a new debut somehow, whether it's through the Forbidden Door or... I think he's a smart enough operator to realise there's never going to be a four-month period of inactivity in the promotion where they don't bring anyone in um, because of the Forbidden Door and all the various relationships they have and how freely WWE just release people because Dakota Kai is an absolute lock to sign for that company, in yes. my opinion. I think maybe that he's going to come to his senses and realise, you know what, there's no four-month period where I can play it strategically and think, oh... People think it's boring now. A great time would be now for me to sign because it would register as a huge thing because debuts don't anymore. So I think it's going to be Johnny Gargano, personally. Yeah. I don't know how he fits up against Joe. I think, yeah, It's for me, it's got to be somebody who can immediately come in and believably beat Samoa Joe. Um, so I'm not saying that Johnny Gargano isn't that, but maybe it would, it would hit a little bit stronger if it was maybe someone who could go toe-to-toe with him physically a little bit more convincingly. Um, unless you're going to go down the Jay Lethal interference, Satnam saying all those guys. Uh, shout out to Sanjay Dutt. I think he's been really good in this story. Yes, he has. Yeah, he's like like unheralded uh, guy on AEW TV at the moment. But um, you could have some heel come in and profit from skullduggery. But I think more compelling is you just keep that crap out of this tournament, to be honest. Um, so leads me to two options. The first is, uh, it's quite an obvious one, but Cesaro. Cesaro. Um, he's been, he's no stranger to being the Joker. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, he can believably beat Samoa Joe because he's one of the greatest wrestlers of his generation and uh, it would be received extremely well. And I think he's going he's gonna to show up 
either in or on AEW at some point, whether that be signing or just doing doing a couple of spots here and there. Um, potentially, I, I don't think we should rule out it being a New Japan wrestler either, um, which would be interesting. So for me, there are two guys who I think could slot into this tournament. Um, style, well, one is stylistic, the other is Will Ospreay, who I get the impression, and I'm not basing this on anything, but I get the impression. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Impression that Tony Khan is very keen to book this man on on AWTV. I think he has been for a long time, in fact. Um, but the reason I don't think it's going to be him is because I think he's going to win the IWGP US title next week. And perhaps this match isn't on next Wednesday, is it? This Joker match? No, it isn't. No. Okay, so I I think he's going to win that belt in the four way at Capital Collision. Just to further that I can't imagine he'll do a Joker on Rampage either. No, no chance. No chance. Oh well. Minimal chance. Minimal chance. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to be him because I don't think New Japan would want to put one of their champions in there unless they do the old ghetto thing of using a tournament loss to set up a title fight later on. But that's that's cross. That's difficult. So Zack Sabre Jr., why not? Why not? Um, technical wrestler, probably took a lot of inspiration from anyone with the surname Hart, apart from hopefully Teddy. Um <laughs> But yeah, he'd be a good fit for the tournament and he could tie Samojo in knots and beat him on a believable technical level. Yeah, I, I like all those shouts, to be yeah. honest. You don't like one of them, but we'll be nice and not mention who that one is. He kind of likes the darkness. <gasps> should join the House of Black. Maybe he should. Imagine hanging out on that bridge. Imagine the thumbnails that I specifically would get from that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Here's one from Kenny. He says, what stipulation haven't you seen in AEW that you'd be excited for? He says, for me, it's Adam Page and CM Punk in a first blood match. First blood matches give me the wrong kind of anxiety um, in that the style is so physical these days and the amount of content in the matches is such that you see hard way blood. What is it? Is it too much to say you see hard way blood like once every three weeks? That's not too much at all, no. You might, see it a lot. Like, I just, even more than that. Yeah, I think the physical style yeah. now. Like, I can't remember people. Like, I don't want to go full Disco Inferno. I don't want to ever, <laughs> ever be compared to Disco Inferno, ever. But there is a reality to the take, which, you know, they use in bad faith, that it is a lot more physical now. It's more entertaining now. Um, the sound of work in some ways is better, uh, many ways. But you do see, I can't remember watching wrestling when I grew up and seeing an awful lot of, oh, someone's nose has popped open. I can see people bleeding from the mouth. It just happens more now. Yeah. And they're all not particularly gruesome injuries. Better a busted nose or a bloodied lip than, you know, CTE from repeated yes. chair shots to the head. So there's differences, obviously. Um, but yeah, first blood in the modern era, considering how often you see little hardware cuts there and now. Like, you can't have the commentary team say... Oh, well, it wasn't with a blade, so it doesn't count. Didn't have this nice, really um, neat effect on the forehead. It has to be the forehead. The more you do that, the more it just it just exposes that you are cutting yourself open with a blade. So I respectfully disagree with the first blood match, but I hope I've outlined, uh, outlined my reasons for that. Um, 
any wacky, they've done all the classics. Mm. They've done cage, ladder, dog collar, um, everything else veers into wacky territory for me. There's no big classic stipulation where I'm thinking, why haven't you done that? Yeah. They, they've even done blood and guts. They've done like some of my cult favorites, like a bunk, they've done the bunkhouse. Yeah. And stuff, so. Like they've done virtually everything under the sun and maybe two XS as well. King of the road. <laughs> I wouldn't mind a AEW spin on Hell in a Cell because their cage is kind yeah. of strange where I think Baker and Rosa were doing spots between the yes, cage and the were. wall. So that was, it was neither Nount nor Summick. I'd, if they're going to do a Hell in a Cell thing, so I know they'll have the bigger um, apron or the gap between the rope and the apron edge to do stuff on there. I think they were trying to do that and um, apply that logic to the cage, but it didn't really work for me. I'd want one or the other. For, uh, just do the exploding bomb by a deathmatch again. The, one of the reasons why they thought they could do it was one, they needed a proper attraction for the pandemic. John Moxley's obviously up for it. Um, Kenny Omega obviously loves virtually all of the Japanese um, scene and its rich, diverse history. But it was also a regular match in a pandemic. We need to be bold and to think about this. And it's better held outdoor yeah. because then you've got <laughs> that's the cruelty, that's the irony. The explosions can be bigger if you do yeah, it, but obviously yeah. that didn't happen. I want them to do it right. I want them to get Atsushi Anita on the blower. Um, I want I want them to do that right. You can't read. I don't think you can do it in Arthur Ashe because some dickhead mutant yeah. will go, ooh, this disgraceful hardcore deathmatch wrestling in a sacred tennis uh, venue. I think it's too pretty and too yeah. prestigious. Bjorn Borg will be yeah. absolutely raging. Absolutely. Yeah. Pete absolutely. Sampras fizzing. Just go to the beach in the summer and do it. <laughs> like, I, I yeah. need them to do it right. I want Kenny to be a to, uh, to atone personally. And given his face, given how much he can sell the fear of doing it, given the fact that it will actually justify his cliched thing that he does, do Adam Cole versus Kenny Omega. Ooh. I know that seems ridiculous on the surface because <laughs> they're not particularly grizzled guys and badasses, yeah. but I just think with their range of facial expressions, how quick they both are, how they could fire off into the ropes and stop and sell it. Like I think that could be magic. Yeah. I, I, I don't really have much of an answer for this, to be honest. I'm not a big... Not a big stipulation match guy. Uh, I like my wrestling like I like my ice cream, vanilla. Um, but, you know, obvious exceptions. I like uh, pistachio. Your pistachio. It's very intricate. Very intricate tastes. Intricate's not the word. Cultivated. Discerning. Naughty. Green. Shut up, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, what am I on about? Uh, I'm trying to fill the airtime because I don't have a good answer. Uh, no, I on, honest to God, Probably not quite the answer. The, uh, who asked the question again? Jacob. This was from Kenny. Kenny. It's not quite the question, the answer that Kenny was probably looking for. But honestly, I think AEW should shamelessly rip off the Royal Rumble because it is a better format than the Casino Battle Royale. Um, look, sometimes you just have to rip something off because it's bloody awesome. I perfectly agree with that. Can you imagine, right? No dicking around with like qualifiers and just I want Tony Khan to in this hypothetical scenario you've just created, abandoning basically all of his sacredly held booking yes. principles. Say right, steal it. All outs all outs coming up. CM Punk's a new world champion, and he's the best in the world, and he wants to face the best of the best. So on a special dynamite, we are going to present the first ever it's our Royal Rumble, but we've got a different name. And then you have MGF, Wardlow, Eddie Kingston, Chris Jericho, Hangman Page, Kenny Omega, Adam Cole, Miro, just the lot. Darby, like few mysteries, like Forbidden Doors or whatever, but yeah. just the lot. Yeah. Imagine all of those faces and think not since 1992 or maybe 2001 have you seen anything like that. What a flex. Just yeah. look at how big our roster is. Look at how much you want to see this. Look how many probable winners we have because the booking's so good that you can conceivably take so many characters seriously enough to have them headline against CM Punk in a pay-per-view. If anything else, it's just a huge, like, pull-out poster of look at the size of our roster, look how many of them are major stars in front of our audience and are over, look how hard this is to predict, how exciting and dramatic could it be I want that more than the exploding barbed wire. There we go, told. baby. There we go. Uh, here is Marcel 
Laviolette, I've probably butchered that. I'm very sorry. At Poetic Cell. Um, do you think that Forbidden Door will boost viewership for New Japan while exposing them to those who don't know anything about them? Very quickly on this, I've had more than one person like almost be afraid to express. Don't be. We're not gatekeepers or anything like that. But I understand. They're almost afraid to express that they're not particularly or fair with New Japan Pro Wrestling because they don't want to then be accused of being bad faith actors or yeah, saying, yeah. who's this? Also, who's this? I don't know who this is. New Japan has been really tepid for like the past two years as well. Yes, so. it's hardly drawing an audience yeah. in and of itself. So it's very fair. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, um, yes, I think it will boost viewers. I think there's a lot of natural interest there. The fact that they've obviously collaborated with Impact, NWA, and they've never held them in the same esteem as New Japan to the idea that they would co-promote a show means that AEW fans who aren't necessarily familiar with New Japan can at least infer it's a massive deal because they're building a pay-per-view um, around the relationship. Um, so I would hope so. There are certainly several wrestlers in New Japan Pro Wrestling, my viewing of which has dropped, quite frankly. I just, the clap crowds, I did, a, I did well to keep up with it um, before... AEW went back to the full touring schedule, at which point the alternative was there. Yeah, yeah. Like, if I go nice. back and watch AEW pandemic matches now, even ones I remember loving at the time, it's like you, you're watching it with very generous eyes because you have to. Otherwise, it's very depressing. So, yeah, no, I do think it'll build that audience. Um, but the issue is that New Japan Pro Wrestling do not enjoy people praising it by saying things like, look at this gif, <laughs> look at this um, submission attempt, look at this escape, Look at this pilot. Look at whatever. It's it's harder than ever to get into New Japan because the quality is not what it was, and they don't like gifs or MP4s on social media. New Japan is their own worst enemy. Do you think that will apply after Forbidden Door? Hmm. Curious about the gif policy in particular because I think the core of it comes from TV Asahi, right? Yes. Who is uh. New Japan's broadcasting partner in, in Japan. Um, but the, the, the TV rights are really complex in Japan and there's all kinds of ownership issues all over the place and various parts of various archives are owned by various networks. And that's why um, it's so difficult to get that content from promotions onto platforms and stuff. So I'm curious uh, on whether or not that will impact Forbidden Door airing in the United States, taking place in the United States, but potentially airing in Japan in some form. So that's going to be very interesting to follow. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's such terrible marketing going after all those accounts. Um, guys like Kieran RH and uh, I'm forgetting most of them, but there's loads of really good, there was loads of really good New Japan GIF accounts out there. Senor Lariato and all yes. those guys. Yeah, those guys rule. Uh, and they've just, been like, hey, we're going to delete your account, brother. Stop having fun and promoting our products. Um, so that is definitely an issue. But <clears throat> I think it will inspire more people to check New Japan out. I think um, New Japan World is it's not all that expensive as a monthly subscription. I think like with the exchange rate, it usually works out about eight pounds UK money, seven pounds something like that. Um, so a little bit less. I think it's nine hundred ninety nine yen. So that was a cute little yeah thing on the network market. Yeah, very very cute indeed. So I think it's just a little bit less when you convert it into your currency than than the network. So yeah, I think it will make it easier for people to check it out. Um, another thing, like they've brought the Access TV show back and they're just showing old matches and stuff, and it's like. My goodness, maybe we should do marketing for this company, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, New Japan will be a lot more digestible when crowds are allowed to make noise again. Lord knows how long that's going to be. It's a restriction issue. Um, but to answer your question, yes, I do think it will inspire more people to check it out. Um, I don't think it will show as inspire as much people as it would if not for the various things that we've just spoken about. Um, and I think it'll do a great job of uh, building AEW's profile in Japan as well, which is the thing that all the, how is this going to grow AEW? Uh, Non-Americans don't count. Yeah. yeah Non-Americans do not count. Yeah, this is it. Those bad, that's such a bad faith argument, isn't it? I know. How's AEW going to grow from this? I don't know, man. Like, uh, there's seven, eight million in the bank from ticket sales, you know? Yeah. Like, you yeah, know, risen profile in Japan, like really cool, fun matches that people 
we'll enjoy. <laughs> These are the worst people of all time. Yeah, yeah. Just the worst people of all time. We don't usually time. highlight those those bad things. Sometimes you can't help arguments. it. Like, Sometimes. You can't help it. Yeah. You have to indulge. I don't like burying things these days, but I like burying those people. Yeah. Bad take havers. Bad take havers. That's yeah. terrible take havers. BTH. The next question comes from Daniel Legess. Big Dan. Legess? Legess. The touched grace. <laughs> Daniel the touched grass. <laughs> That's how I'm going to say it. <laughs> I don't know why. I do actually. I think I've answered this question before, but I really like my own answer. So I'm going, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to feel it again. This is one of these uh, masturbatory Bret Hart tribute matches. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> masturbatory Michael Sidgwick's own takes. <laughs> I don't know why, but I have almost felt nothing for the original Undisputed Era in AEW. Their in-ring work has been flat and the storyline isn't helping. Will Kenny coming into the storyline be enough to recover it or is it too mm. far gone? My take on this is that Adam Cole's lack of self-awareness is hurting him because I think a lot of people, because, you know, the Fed's the enemy, right? I think a lot of people were very much uh, invested in the idea that, oh, God, look at the way that NXT makes everyone stare at their hands and do shocked kick-out faces. And is it just garbage, trope-infested fast food wrestling now compared to what it was. And then Adam Cole hasn't changed one bit. Like, the fact that he's still doing this and people are burying him for it is a little bit worrying in terms of how much effort he's applying. Oh, like, the guy's taking ridiculous bumps. Yep. He's working hard. He's, you know... He's a lovely man. And he's a lovely well. man, so I do feel bad. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, you know what, listening... Because AEW's a listening company. If one of your top stars isn't really listening and it just feels all very stagnant. So that doesn't help. My big take, though, is the joy of AEW forming was that it realized everything you might have thought about a wrestler, for example, who was too past their prime or out of the circles of relevancy or whatever to do this. John Moxley comes over and he's just exactly what everyone wanted him to be if it weren't for those damn scripted promos. Miro comes over and he's not being cuckolded. He's just being God's favorite champion and killing everyone. Mr. Brody Lee isn't a guy who can't get on television. He's this absolute riot of a terrorizing figure who is not only just incredible in the ring, but piss funny in his segments with the Dark Order and how he terrorized them and everything. It was the place where wrestlers can go and prove that WWE is as rubbish as people say, and there is an alternative, and we can be the best versions of ourselves. Adam Cole has essentially peaked in WWE around the exact same time, and I'm not saying it's his fault, it's just a coincidence, around the exact same time people were like, oh, NXT is getting a little bit easy to take the piss out of, and um, sinister structure. Like, we've got <laughs> the voice from Mauro, that, yeah. that stupid voice we do, and that stupid like two out of three falls match. Like just when it was jumping the shark in the most succinct way I can put it. And he's done nothing really at all to change his act. Yeah. yeah. It just feels like the, the first proper lateral move and that's not enough. And I think that there's AEW performers who do more for me than the best WWE performers of 2019. Sure. Yeah. Like I'm going to get, I get flack for saying this, but I'm going to say it because it's it's my opinion. It belongs to me. Um, I think that the Undisputed Elite minus the Young Bucks, uh, so I guess just the former Undisputed Era, are the stalest act in all of wrestling, bar none. WWE, AEW. Even Orton's doing like pretty cool new things. 100%. 100%. I think it's the stalest act in all of wrestling because none of these people, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, Adam Cole, Great respect for all three of them as performers and human beings. And I've loved a lot of their work over the years. Not one aspect of any of those men's core act of what makes them them has changed even in the slightest in five years. We are watching the same thing, the same ticks over and over and over. Any changes have been totally superficial catchphrase here and entrance music there. Uh, they're still the undisputed era. They are still the guys who debuted in 2017 as the, the kind of jocks who 
think they're really cool and edgy, but secretly aren't, and that's the appeal. They think they're the coolest guys in the room. The reality is they're the lamest guys in the room, and that's part of why you boo for them. Um, beyond, obviously, Kyle and Bobby have always had kind of like an MMA thing down stylistically, and there's variations in there, but... That's why when Roderick Strong's story came out last week about him trying to get his release and people were like, oh, he could join up with the boys. I'm like, no, 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 this was great five years ago, but it was five years ago and nothing has changed. Um, so I, while I understand the clamor that some people will have for like, maybe that's the favorite stable of all time. Fair play. It's the best stable in NXT history uh, and the most successful probably. But it, it's not for me. These people need to evolve. And I don't think Kenny Omega, unless he's the catalyst for that evolution, because right now, if you were to look at the likeliest outcome for that story, I think it would still be Kenny Omega coming back as a babyface to join the Bucks and face off with with Cole and Red Dragon as, as heels. And if it goes in that way, I have no faith whatsoever in Red Dragon and Cole being anything other than what they are right now. So I think it's going to take more than that, to be honest. Um, yeah, I think this, this storyline for me is a bust. I'm not into this kind of story anyway. Like, I, I hated the Bullet Club Civil War of, of 2018. It was 2018, wasn't it? With yeah. Cody and all that stuff. The t-shirt aside, yeah. the t-shirt was magnificent. Just completely messing with the sacred institution. That's great. That's great. But I, I, I don't like all this torn torn loyalty stuff nine times out of ten. Um, it, I don't know. It comes off as overly soapy for my taste in wrestling. Uh, I imagine some people are in the same boat. I imagine most people aren't, to be honest. But that's my take on it. I think at the core, Cole, Fish, and O'Reilly, as an act, are far too stale uh, to save this. I, f I think it's a dead bust. Yeah, I can't disagree with any of that at all. And one of the reasons why is because I was very prescient in 2019 when I said it's just not as good as, uh, you know, AEW. <laughs> The question is from Sleeping Collectibles. Ooh, the toys are asleep. Yeah. <laughs> With all this New Japan ROH Impact AEW door being left open, do you think we get a proper invasion, invasion angle at some point? I think we are about due for one. Mm. I love invasion angles. I do. But they are rare because they only work, as we discussed earlier in the podcast, in a very specific set of circumstances. The promotion has to embody something. Um, the other promotion obviously has to embody a very different value. Or they have to share the exact same value and believe themselves to um, embody it better than the other. Which is why you get ROH versus CZW. Just amazing. And that's how you get UWFI in New Japan which is whether real hard lads. No, whether real legitimate lads, actually. Um, what is AEW's value as a collective roster that they can defend the honor of? The whole premise of All Elite Wrestling is that it's a hub for everything. In fact, it's so varied. We've been through this before. There's not a single genre of pro wrestling match or style they've not done. Um, Lucha, Strong Style, um, Melodrama, NXT, um, Bret Hart matches, Southern style tags, high spots, I, everything. Yeah, they can't say, "Are we?" I the only thing that works vaguely as a philosophy that AEW can oppose is sports entertainment, and we're getting it now with um, Chris Jericho because he's really smart to have recognized that there's literally one wrestling thing that otherwise the the buffet, the smorgasbord, doesn't want to embrace because it's not cool. And Jericho can be, I can be the uncool guy, so. Look, maybe I'm just too AEW-minded, but I can't see an interpromotional rivalry in or against All Elite Wrestling that makes any sense. Is there any in the world that you can think would matter? Not really, because profile has to come into it as well, doesn't it? Like, you can't... Uh, you can't do, for example, uh, let's say, <laughs> AEW versus Gleet. Right, because as as good as some of the pairings you could come up with would be, people aren't going to receive Gleet uh, as a serious concern because AEW is the second biggest promotion in the world. That means that yeah, probably can only really go against the third, the fourth, and the fifth biggest promotions in the world, which is I don't know probably uh, yeah, New Japan uh, like a CMLL or a AAA uh, maybe Impact, right? Just. Uh because I'm realizing I'm going to sound like a hypocrite. Very sorry to interrupt your flow. At some point when they do Forbidden Door stuff, 
they are going to have various wrestlers from the AEW side and various wrestlers from the New Japan side say, we do the best wrestling in the world and we have the best wrestlers in the world. Yep. That's not necessarily have the legs to do an interpromotional feud. It's just a way of saying, my company's better. No, my company's better. That's not a program. That's just the thinnest possible excuse to put dream matches together. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's kind of the core of it on a creative level. So I, there's not really a great option, but to me, what it would come down to would be politics. <laughs> My guy has to go over your guy, Tony Khan and Ghetto, let's say. Let's say it's New Japan who we're, we're doing the invasion with. Uh, some of their top guys are going to have to take losses in this feud, and then you're playing political games and you have to have difficult conversations about top guys going over other guys. You're going to end up in situations where, like, a Kenny Omega is going to have, like, a grudge feud with Yoshihashi or someone like that because maybe uh, we don't want Kazuchika Okada to lose in this feud or whatever. And, it, you know, you're going to end up with compromises that aren't as exciting as what you might have in your head. Um, there's going to be a degree of that on the Forbidden Door pay-per-view. Yeah. But I, I would think with the Forbidden Door pay-per-view because New Japan, I mean, the AEW have all the chips uh, for me in that. Uh, in booking that show and so New Japan will probably have to make more concessions than AEW will but there'll be some give and take for sure uh, there'll be stuff used to present a show in Japan that maybe New Japan will have more sway in but yeah political stuff uh, organisational various creative forces butting heads that's a problem so realistically I mean the most realistic thing you you might see would be like a Ring of Honor thing because they're owned by the same guy who isn't going to argue with himself yeah and if you look at the way that AEW, it's not just the stylistic range that they've got no principal value. Obviously, they want to mark themselves as the best at each one, but what aligns the f entire roster who are always going to feud with each other and they're all sort of organized in their own little collectives? It just doesn't work for me personally beyond a one-show basis. Very tough, yeah. Yeah. Final question comes from Tyler Holloway. Dustin Rhodes' career is winding down, but is still having some very entertaining matches and is over with the crowd. Do you see him having a TNT title run before hanging up the boots? I don't know if I would see it, but I'm just like Andy Murray is with his um, earlier fantasy booking of Eddie Kingston, a huge advocate of breaking all your goddamn hearts <laughs> and giving a guy who deserves it at least one moment in the sun. Um, because if you do that, you get someone who deserves it getting a great, career accomplishment yeah. and then it allows you to just pivot around narratives which is sometimes essential particularly in a in a company that as we've discussed several times today actually AEW is too too long-term focused at times so yes I would love to see and I can actually kind of see it happening on a sentimental basis and um, Dustin Rhodes winning the TNT right title and then Malachi Black kills him or Miro yeah. kills him yeah. or whoever kills him and he'll always have that to hang his head on and uh, hang his hat on hang his head <laughs> and at the same time, the transitional champion is a booking device that is essential, Very but effective. being nice to someone at the same time. Yeah, for sure. I like doing this. I don't, I, I, I like doing this with a set. I know AEW don't call it a secondary title, but it's a secondary uh, yes, title. Yes, it is. Yeah. I, I like doing that with this kind of belt. I don't like this kind of thing for a world title because world title, that's the kind of thing that devalues a world title. Uh, when people say, oh, nice to see if Big Tom had a run with the IWGP. Well, would it? Would it really? He's my favorite wrestler of all time, but is a nostalgia guy the best person to give it to when there are bigger stars and bigger money drawing cards? I don't think so. So yes, uh, secondary titles are the best thing to do this with, like nostalgic gold watch type deal. Uh, Dustin would be a great candidate for that. He does it like once every three or four months, doesn't he? He goes out on on Dynamite, not too often, but when he shows up, he's he could give you a great match. He's done it with Punk. He did it with Danielson last week, last year, uh, which probably got swept away because it, it seemed like Danielson was having these incredible matches yeah. every single week. Uh, so the, the the Dustin one's probably one that's been forgotten about a little bit, but it was tremendous in itself. So yeah, it's a great idea. I love this. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I love Dustin and it'd be a really nice thing to do. I think he, he spoke recently about how he needs like a, a lot of surgeries. <laughs> he's talking about like his hips and his knees and stuff. And it's like, he's a large man. It probably doesn't help. And he's had such a long career. Like, you know, he's wrestling like Vader in like 1992. Yeah. And it's crazy. And he's still the natural today, you know, 30 years later. So 
No, I, I, that man deserves a nice, long and restful retirement. He probably won't rest. He'll probably keep doing his training and stuff. And, keep uh, stepping. Yeah, keep stepping. That's there the thing, it? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Remember when he had that weird brain stew music when he started in AEW? It was like an instrumental. Of yes. Music. That was strange. But yeah, now he's good. Now it's now it's good. Uh, yeah, I love Dustin. And uh, you're speaking my language when you book this kind of thing for him. Absolutely. Thanks for your question. Tyler was it. Tyler, the creator. Tyler, the creator. Yes. Right. Thanks for your question, Tyler. Thanks for everybody else's questions. Thanks also for the questions that we also don't really have time to respond to in our personal lives, but we just, again, appreciate your listens, your engagement, your support, all of those things. And um, yeah, if you want to be involved in that sort of quasi community we've built up, you can follow us all on what, on Twitter, sorry, at WhatCultureWWE. And whilst you're there, you can follow Andy Murray at at Andy H. Murray, the H stands for Harry Ramsden, the fish guy. Ah, oh, oh, Harry no. Ramsden. Or is it Ramsdale? That's it's Ramsden, Harry Ramsden. Fishing, he's the fish guy. Like he's got these chain. Yeah, yeah, not very good. Follow me at M. Sedgwick. <laughs> um, that's it for today on the podcast front, of course. Yeah, I'm going home. It better be it for yeah, today. <laughs> if you haven't checked out our Dynamite review, um, you should be able to find that fairly easily if you found this. Tomorrow we have the usual uh, weekend wrestling tv show previews or the major ones anyway in addition to wrestle culture so uh watch out for that and until then we will see you soon mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 percent with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.